Welcome to the Aparavi Podcast, dedicated to points of view, challenges, experiences, and best practices in managing enterprise debt. I am Daryl Richardson, the Chief Product Evangelist for Aparavi, the data intelligence and automation company. Welcome to another Aparavi Podcast. Um, today, we have a special guest, Beth Winters, who is um, not only an attorney, but she is now part of Aparavi, and I will let her introduce herself in a second. Um, but today, we are going to talk about Proposition 24. What is Proposition 24, you ask? So, uh, the California Privacy Rights Act of 2020 is um, set to go to the voters in November as, as a ballot uh, initiative. Um, so the CCPA law uh, is now being enforced as of July 1st. However, the Proposition 24 is um, a few provisions that they're adding to it that they need the voters to actually um, approve. So... Um, Beth, why don't you say a couple of words about yourself, and then um, you know we'll talk a little bit about this uh, Proposition 24. Thanks, uh, Daryl. It's great to be back. Um, <laughs> Beth Winters, I'm the Solutions Marketing Manager here at Aparavi, and I like to call myself a recovering attorney. Um, I'm licensed in New York and in Massachusetts, and I love bringing in my legal background uh, to talk about how Aparavi and other technology um, can really can really help companies with their compliance issues and uh, legal issues. Awesome, and and you have an ebook that you've published as well. You want to talk real quickly on that? Yeah, we put out a data privacy ebook, um, and that's available on our website www.aparavi.com. Um, we are. Also putting out, you know, blogs. We've got a new landing page for um, data privacy management on our site, so you can find the ebook there. It's aparavi.com/solutions/data-privacy-management. Cool, awesome. All right. Um, so the currently enacted California Consumer Privacy Act has changed the way individual states handle their residents' uh, ESI. Um, ESI is electronically stored information. So when this data is supplied to businesses within the state of California, that's when this law applies. So the main purpose of the act, obviously, is to provide the rights to the residents and consumers living in California is to do a couple of things, right? You know, um, obvious uh, is to, upon request, to have their data deleted. Uh, so, Beth, how, how do you think a person um, will take to this? You think it'll be widely adopted? People are going to ask a lot of companies to delete their information or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I spoke to one company um, that's had 30,000 DSAR requests since January um, and they, you know, obviously need a solution to handle all of those requests. Some smaller companies that maybe don't um, collect as much information on their, uh, their customers might not need a um, automated comprehensive solution. But what I like about Aparavi is that uh, we can provide that infrastructure, um, that platform for organizations who are looking to become CCPA compliant uh, to go through their unstructured data to find um, data that needs to be deleted. Cool. Yeah, no, that, that's, that, that's a great explanation there. Um, you know, another another um, uh, change or, or, or facet of this is that no businesses can discriminate against 
residents. That's kind of a given. Um, understand and be knowledgeable about the data being stored about an individual. This is an interesting for, one for me because a lot of different um, ways that people add content to websites or rewards programs or something, you know, there's lots of different information and, and how do you keep track of it all? So, you know, what, it, what are your thoughts on, you know, people's right to understand the information? Should it all be in one easy to get to a page on a website or should it be emailed to someone based on their entire statistics? I mean, what do you think on that? In terms of access, I mean, the whole the whole point of um, having this regulation is so you know what uh, the company has about you. If you can't read that information, then it's not very helpful. Um, so obviously in a format that's easy to digest would make the most sense. But there's also, you know, requirements for data portability that you should be able to take your information someplace else if you'd like to. So it would make sense to have it um, at least under GDPR um, as well in a, in a format that is easy to read by multiple platforms um, that doesn't require any sort of uh, special software. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and then there's some data that's kind of um, excluded from that, uh, that deletion policy as well. And um, if we get some time, we'll talk about that. Um, you know, another um, important facet of this is that they have uh, that, that consumers have the right to refuse the sale or distribution of one's personal data. That's kind of a given as well. I mean, I, I think all states should have something like that. Um, and and uh, uh, one of the ones that I really like that I, I'd really like to give your um, your opinion on here is is how uh, consumers are informed about the distribution or sale of personal data. You know, should that be a, um, a website uh notice on this specific business or an email sent directly to everyone whose personal data was distributed? I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, I think it's tough because people don't read those types of emails and they probably are not going to read the fine print on the website. Um, so how do you really convey uh, what you're using it for? There's some people who will and it will, you know, get publicity probably if you're using it in a way that um, generally wouldn't be acceptable. Uh, so I think it's best to just be honest and have full disclosure of what your intended purpose for of the data is. Usually it's pretty um, non-invasive, right? You're trying to collect information about your audience so you can better uh, create content for them that's more targeted, which uh, as a marketer is, is very helpful. Um, but if you're using it, obviously, to discriminate against customers, that is uh, against the law and you, you can't do that. So um, going over this with your um, head of compliance or legal, making sure that you're talking to an attorney about this to try to sort out what makes the most sense for your company based on what type of use you'd like to make of this data. Um, or are you even using the data? I mean, maybe you don't even need to keep it. <laughs> like, you know, don't expose yourself to liability if, it, if you don't need to. Sure. Yeah. And then, and, you know, that kind of, that kind of leads into the providing uh, the consumers access to that information as well, you know, so there, there should be some sort of a consumer portal that you should be able to log in and see all the information that's, uh, that's collected on you. Um, it's really so hard though. It's super onerous for 
organizations to be able to let people just pick and choose what um, information you keep on them and what you don't. That's a big infrastructure change for them. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the Act provides certain stipulations around accountability, compliance, responsibility, um, also levies sanctions and provides remedies for violations. So, you know, that's CCPA. That's the uh, that's the act that's already being enforced as of uh, July 1. Um, so the definition of personal data has always been kind of it's different from whoever you go to. You know, the definitions of uh, uh, that I know or let's say where you read it. However, in general, the definition is directly related to data that describes, relates, or in some way associates data directly to an individual. Um, if you look at like the definition from Wikipedia, it says CCPA defines personal information as information that identifies, relates to, describes, is reasonably capable of being associated with, or could reasonably be linked directly or indirectly with a person or I'm sorry, with a particular consumer or household, such as a real name, alias, postal address, unique personal identifier, online identifier, IPS or IP address, uh, email addresses, account names, social security numbers, driver's license, passport numbers, or other similar identifiers. Whew, man, that's a long um, definition um, that Wikipedia has, and that was read verbatim from their website. What do you think about this? I mean, what, you know, I've, I've heard lots of different, uh, you know, definitions of what people's uh, idea of personal data is. But what about yours? Beth? Um, well, I mean, definitely anything that can identify an individual directly um, is personally identifying information. But if you um, are talking about each individual regulation, they're all going to have their own specific definition defined within that regulation. So um, it's it's going to it's it's complicated right now because it does differ based on the, based on the law that you're trying to um, comply with, um, and sure. so you're going to really need to go through with a fine tooth comb and see that you know. Um, personal health information is is going to be different than you know personally identifiable information, um, and how does that differ from uh, what GDPR considers um, personal information? So the nice uh, the the difficult thing is going to be classifying that within within your system within uh, your data. Um, what are those key differences and uh, what I love about Operavi is we kind of do that for you so you don't have to think about it. We just kind of let you click a box on or off uh, depending on right. which act you need to comply with. Yeah, you know, there's there's over 80 personal information classification policies within the platform. So it's it's pretty amazing. And, and there's also, you know, there's not only the personal aspect, but there's also that sensitive data aspect, you know, so... Um, when we go and let, let's talk about some of the differences between the 2018 law that just went into enforcement on July 1st and then what the new provisions might be coming in um, uh, on the ballot. So uh, the new provisions will further define which requirements are excluded for each businesses. That's number one. Major differences um, is that it appears the new provisions are targeting larger businesses that collect a lot more information. As a matter of fact, um, they're actually looking to uh, boost the um, limit for um, from 50,000 consumers 
data to a hundred thousand, right? You know, so now that takes away a, a big uh, portion of the small to medium market that actually collects information, like the small coffee shops or or some of these smaller hotel chains that might not have fifty thousand. So they're not going to be able. It's not going to really pertain to them um, if this law goes into effect. The new provision also adds a sharing clause to the existing law where businesses earn more than 50% of the revenue from the sale or sharing of the personal data. You know, so, you know, according to the new Proposition 24, a business will be exempt when there is a federal, state, local law or subpoenaed compliance issue, which is pretty amazing to me because, you know, I... I for me, I think that's very intrusive for government agencies or law enforcement to be able to go after my information, right? I mean, I would think they would already have that, but I guess they don't. Um, so, um, and, and yeah, so uh, also the, the proposition also allows police and sheriff departments to instruct businesses to not delete personal data for up to 90 days, which is a total of 180 days because the existing law says already 90 days, you know, but they're at, at, they're making this to where they can actually add another 90 days to it um, if there's an active investigation. And this provides enough time for any court issued warrant, subpoena or um, ordered uh, investigation, right? So yeah, they're concerned um, about spoliation of evidence, destroying evidence. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, Proposition 24 also provides uh, for the sharing of personal data to be shared with the government if the individual is at risk of injury or death. That's interesting to me, too. I mean, how would the government know? <laughs> yeah, that can be <laughs> but, that can be probably yeah. misconstrued. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's not defined within the act. So that is uh, problematic in and of itself. <laughs> right. It's interesting, though, because the provision of that is that the, the request must be made by a higher level federal agency. It's not just like your typical police or detective, right? It's got to be like the FBI or DOD or somebody like that, right? It's got to be a higher level agency. Um, and the requesting agency must also agree to a, a petition of the court um, of the order within three days and destroy all of the data if the, the order is not approved. Yeah, this, <laughs> so the, th that's interesting. Yeah, the problem with you know having um, this kind of act on the ballot, right? You're going to need uh, nine hundred thousand signatures to qualify. They needed nine hundred thousand signatures to qualify for the place on the on the November twenty twenty ballot. So this is going to be voted on by citizens, and you're not going to really get the yeah. ability to pick and choose. Um, and make yeah. make changes. So once if you're voting for one of these provisions, you're voting for all of them. Um, yeah, I think if I think if people actually start reading it too, um, you know, if they read what's actually in this um, provision or this law that they're trying to pass, they're gonna you know, Cal especially California, they're gonna look at federal law as not being part of what they're voting on, and they're gonna they're gonna shoot this down. You know, right? I know that's how it's been in, in a lot of the. Uh, that the states where people value their privacy more than other states. Right. I mean, and in terms of this new data category, I mean, the the health information, financial information, some of this stuff is already covered under federal privacy laws like HIPAA and um, Gramm-Leach-Bliley. Um, in terms of, you know, the um, there's, there's this new act, uh, this new portion that's going to give 
uh, people in California the right to ask businesses to correct inaccurate personal information. Um, that might be unduly burdensome to companies. It just depends on how many kind of requests that they get. Um, and then, um, I mean, I think in general, people will agree, you know, if you're collecting the more information uh, about more individuals and uh, fewer small businesses are having to um, comply, then that's going to be better. And because those smaller businesses um, can't handle such uh, onerous requests, they don't really have the technology or the capabilities, they don't have their own data privacy officer, perhaps unlike larger organizations that might have a whole department dedicated to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that's really nice is that they're actually properly defining that sensitive data category that includes like the race and ethnicity and education and stuff like that. So, I mean, they're at Operavi's uh, classification rules already pick up both personal and sensitive data. So we're already ahead of the curve on this one. Um, so what will be the impact to consumers and businesses during the data collection process? This is an interesting topic for me. So um, Proposition 24 will provide consumers with more control over the release of their personal and sensitive data. And um, here are some of the benefits that uh, consumers will have regarding their personal data. Um, at the consumer's request, their personal data is not to be shared or sold to third-party organizations. I think that's actually just adding to the existing rule, um, inform consumers that sensitive data types are, uh, of data are also collected, right? So this is the new part, which is well, now that high school education and that uh, ethnicity or that sexual preference, all these things are, are part of that uh, personal data and that consumer regulated data at this point. Now, they did change the age. Um, so parent or guardian permissions will be required for businesses to use data collected from persons under the age of 13. Um, so if, if, a, if an organization is collecting data on children under the age of 13, they have to actually have the parent or guardian permission. That's interesting. But how do you think they might... Um, they might get that, you know, by filling out a website. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I mean, you're going to have to basically click on a website that you are the parent or guardian or, you know, you are over the age of, you know, 13 or something like that. And I mean, that's not, you know, very enforceable. Um, yeah, how are they going to prove that? I mean, that's going to be very difficult. But, you know, I mean, the, the kid's just going to hit that, that I'm the guy. Right. right? I mean, my, you so. know, my daughter, you know, like learned how to talk to Alexa and she knows how to hit yeah. buttons so she can, you know, she, she ordered some TV episodes of Paw Patrol without, you know, yeah. my knowledge. And that was, you know, something that we had to talk about and <laughs> put on right. parental permissions. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, businesses must provide an opt-out feature. Um, this is not anything uh, new. I think the old one had that. Um, for consumer data for those 16 and younger, in order to protect children's privacy by increasing fines by 300% for violations of opt-in sale rights. Wow, that's a lot. Um, by the creation of the new opt-in consent feature required to get approval to sell or distribute personal or sensitive data for consumers under the age of 16. That, that's 
that's pretty significant. Yeah, no, they're 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 basically right saying, you know, take this seriously. Maybe we weren't yeah. maybe we weren't clear before, <laughs> but you yeah, know, if you true. do not comply with this, then you're really going to be in trouble. And the other, I mean, interesting thing was that um, you now have the creation of a agency to have the administrative power, the authority, and the jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. That's um, it's under under here. Um, and, and the one that I really like is to provide a path for consumers to correct the inaccurate data that's entered, right? You know, so that's, that's something that was big for me because there's been so many times where, you know, I look at a membership card or I look at something on, that on email and my name is spelled wrong. It's like, it might be very small to some people. It's like, why are you spelling my name with an E or an L when it's, it's an A with two R's, right? <laughs> yeah, so, anyway. um, so, yeah, so um, additional requirements already in place for the 2018 law. Um, will um, require businesses to delete or remove, delete or remove personal data based on request. That's no, nothing new. Um, disclose what types of information has been collected on a customer or a consumer. That's not really new either. And uh, not to sell or distribute based on the consumer's request not to do so. And then let's talk about real quick the sensitive data because I know we're getting um, long here. Um, sensitive data would be, um, uh, and, and this is kind of interpreted, a little, some of this is, is overlapping the private or personal data for me, um, but but they're defining it as uh, driver's license, account login information, social security numbers, um, consumer financial accounts, debit card numbers, state ID cards, credit card numbers, um, the religious the religious, racial or ethnic origin, philosophical beliefs or union memberships of a consumer, mailing addresses, email addresses, text messages, genetic data. Uh, the precise geolocation of a customer is interesting. Um, information concerning the consumer's health and information concerning uh, the sex life or sexual orientation and the biometric information. These are all sensitive data types that uh, Operavi's policies already pick up um, in conjunction with the complete classification, which is both personal and sensitive information. It's pretty interesting. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there's some stuff about the uh, exemption here that's pretty interesting. So um, consumer reports related to credit score uh, or worthiness of a consumer. I, I'm not sure how they're going to determine the value. of Right. That, and again, but, that's um, kind of already, you know, covered under the FCRA. So that shouldn't uh, yeah. necessarily be that onerous for sure. financial institutions. Right. Or employees. Yep, and then um, so then we get into uh, the types of emergency contact information, the grade scores or test results. Um, now these wouldn't be associated with a name; they would just be used as uh, you know this this what is it the uh, statistical information, right? Mm -hmm. um, personal information that's been collected to administer benefits to an employee, vehicle details shared between dealers and manufacturers regarding repairs, right? You know, this is where your consumer reports gets a lot of their information about which 10 worst cars versus the 10 best cars. Right, these are all so yeah, exempt that, from the proposition. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see, personal data collected for the purposes of a position of employment uh, as an applicant yeah, and written or verbal communications or transactions between businesses, employer, uh, or independent contractors all exempt. So that, that's pretty interesting that, um, you yeah, that's some of that data, uh, you know, but I, I would say that that's a different type of data than the stuff that they're going to share with someone. They, they wouldn't typically share this. Stuff right. And I mean, it's, it's it goes to what, you know, what is the data being used for? It's not being used um, in an invasive way to um, sort of 
that that might be harmful to the consumer. This is these are things that would help the consumer, right? These are um, this is information yeah, that should exactly. be shared um, because it'll help them. Um, but you know, I think yeah, definitely changing the definition of sensitive data um, by you know by a personal information by expanding that definition um, is going to make things more complicated. Um, yeah. They. The good thing is this, you know, wouldn't necessarily go into effect until 2023 um, if it is passed. So, but, you know, it's, um, I think it's, I think it's interesting. Basically, companies should really be careful about what they are, what type of information they're collecting about their consumers. Ask themselves, do we really need this information? Um, And disclose that information that they're collecting to the Consumer. I mean, that is all um, that makes sense. I mean, you you'd want to know if if somebody's collecting geolocation information about you, or your biometric information, um, your yeah. health, um, religious information, and you you would ask yourself like, why are they collecting this information about me? Um, so really, it's just intended to give um, more insight to the consumer what is being collected about you and information like that is is definitely helpful um yeah again it's it's going to be onerous on the businesses but they're going to really have to think about whether they need to be collecting that information or not yeah yeah that, so <clears throat> really great insight there beth i i couldn't have said any better um so let's take a look at some of the penalties um twenty five hundred dollars for each violation seventy five hundred dollars for each violation involving the release of personal data for children um, and up to $750 um, per consumer per data breach to be awarded for each breach of consumer's data. That's, uh, that's I think, goes outside of the um, $7,500 one. I think they're all around the same. Um, and uh, you mentioned it earlier, so the establishment of the, cons- the California Privacy Protection Agency. Um, it's it's, in a, it's a, a governor-appointed um, uh, position. Um there's five board members. Uh, the leader would be the, the guy that's appointed by the governor, attorney general, and Senate Rules Committee. Um, the members would have the following specification or qualifications as expertise in data privacy, experience in privacy and technology. Um, and they would also require the state legislature to allocate up to $10 million to this agency um, during uh, year one. That's interesting. That, that's a lot of money. Well, so that that's incentive enough just to go out there and uh, and and collect enough money just to pay for the. Uh, if they're defund, the if they're defunding, you know, police or whatever, they'll get that money, I guess, from there. Right. But uh, that's neither neither here nor there. Yeah. So how how can Operavi help um, with CCPA and, and Proposition Twenty Four? Um, so obviously, it's going to add some additional provisions um, to an already pretty strict law. The good thing is Operavi's platform already has this information and ready to collect it today. It's not something we have to wait until 2023 because <laughs> you know, we're already collecting this information. Yeah, we can classify um, it very easily. It's, yeah. Again, it's just, you know, clicking a button on or off um, about what right. policy that you're you're trying to enforce and comply with. So, I mean, I, yeah. on on our end, it's, it's not going to be uh, that difficult. Um, and those companies that we work with, but, um, you know, it, it can be challenging if you are, 
if you don't have these type of smart policies in place that really automate um, the identification yeah. and classification of, of that type of data, yeah. especially with and, and unstructured data, right? Because Exactly. And, and then the next version of the release of the platform where we get our actions, where we can copy, move, or provide a link to a file and then secure or move that file to a secure data location so it can be protected but can also be um, found very easily when uh, using the, the fine facets that, that are built into the platform with all the metadata and all the, all the contents of the files. Um, and then also add to that the ability to search on classification tags for this type of data. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and what, I mean, I think what, what um, a lot of other platforms don't do is um, really update it in real time. Uh, so, you know, when your data changes, uh, our, our information will reflect that. Um, you're not just take, getting a screenshot um, of a moment in time. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, in closing here, look, uh, you know, I, I think both of us can agree and everybody that's listening is going to be agree that the, Cal the California Consumer Privacy Act um, in California is setting the stage for all other states, um, even the federal government and their design of their own federal privacy laws. Um, CCPA has provided a foundation for the U.S. as a country to adequately protect its citizens from inadvertent and blatant data breaches of their data. Mm -hmm. right? um, for, far, for far too long, businesses have been allowing the careless accountability and lack of penalties well, that was passed. To yeah, lack of accountability, so, complete yeah. lack yeah. of visibility. So, I mean, this the, the governance and compliance function is really allowing... Um, for the first time, consumers to see uh, what information companies are gathering on them and uh, and for companies too to just start understanding what they're collecting in the first place, getting to take a data inventory, which they haven't necessarily even done before. They may not even know what they have or why they have it. So there's a lot yeah. of other applications yeah. beyond just CCPA compliance. That's right. Hey, Beth, look, this is awesome. Uh, as always, great insight, great information. And, you know, coming from someone that's that's lived this uh, th this job as, as a whole, it, it was really great um, having you on here. Um, for everybody else, thanks for listening, you know, uh, again to this podcast. Um, be uh, looking forward to our uh, upcoming podcasts um, in the future. We pretty much release one every week. But uh, I want to thank you guys for listening and everyone have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Thank Bye. Thank you for listening to the Operavi Podcast. For more information, see operavi.com or contact us directly via email at info at operavi.com. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for the latest news tips and insights on data intelligence and automation. We'll be back soon with more episodes, so if you found today's topic useful, please subscribe, rate, and review, or share with a friend or colleague. Thanks, and see you soon.